0: draw pictures and diagrams of how we work and what's flowing and how it flows and how it works to have something to have a conversation about. And what's nice is that then we're having a picture, this this picture is in the center of the conversation. And then the picture being in the center of the conversation means it's not about people. (laughs) It's not about you screwed up. (laughs) It's about the system doesn't work when you do it this way.
1: Welcome to OWASP 24 7, sponsored by the Open Web Application Security Project, improving the security of software. With support from the Nexus Community Project, supporting millions of open source developers worldwide. Additional support provided by CATSCAN from Proactive Risk. You and I were talking quite a bit at DevOps Summit when Gene put that on, and one of the things that really intrigued me was you talking about how you were able to move DevOps through the channels to actually get it to function properly. And there's a lot of political things going on, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. I think it's, um, it's all people problem.
1: And that's one of the things that I think people don't consider a lot when they're thinking about moving through DevOps. Can you give us some examples of things that you ran into that you had to deal with as a people problem?
0: Well, I think, you know, some of the things I talked about in October were, you know, for instance, that, you know, I'm kind of with, like, because, you know a lot of the people we had to interact with weren't in our sphere of people. They didn't support us. They didn't support our management team. And so we needed them to, to help us, but the normal, just, we'll just tell them to do that. <laughs> we'll the work. We can mm-hmm. just walk them around. And the other challenge that we have is that they were very busy. I mean, the fact, we had made them very busy because we had increased, you know, if you actually look at the numbers over the last four years were from 2013 to 2015, we increased the quantity of deployment that our operations team put into production by 800%. Wow. So I, it's,
1: it,
0: oh, it's amazing, right? But at the same time, the people whose responsibility is to now put things into production They didn't suddenly get an 800% budget increase just because we upped our deployment, right? We made them very busy. And so then when we were coming to them and saying, hey, we need you to do this other thing, in their mind, I think all they heard was, you need me to do even more work? Are you you serious? (laughs) Yeah. You've already asked a lot. Being able to have a conversation with them was really being able to have a conversation and not just talk at them and tell them what to do and be bossy. And I think one of the more successful things that, that came out of that is when we actually started to engage them in that conversation, you know, we did, some, we did some value stream mapping. It really made the, that pipeline visual. And as we started talking about what had happened with with an actual deployment that we had done and some particular issues we had, well, what came up was so the person that had spent four hours to do something, and we're like, oh, I wanted to take four hours and screwed up and messed up. And he said, well, here's the thing. we build when it deploys if it starts the servers in the wrong order it breaks everything like extra timing if I hit that button too quick you know everything breaks when I got to start the whole thing over again So I'm like oh and he's like you need to make it so that that's, if your build isn't that fragile like you need to fix your build it's not me it's you I'm always correcting your thing yeah you're <laughs> broken but then team needed to hear that because to them that was like not my problem it was somebody else's problem. They didn't feel the pain. So to them, that was so far down their to-do list that it was never going to happen. And so they heard that, and they were like, oh, well, all right. So they worked on that. And just that little bit of goodwill, by doing something that made that operations per- person's you know, deployment look that much easier, hmm. um, meant that the operations person was then, the next time we were talking, you know, it's like that little bit of goodwill you know, kind of snowballs, and it continues to be a negotiation between those two groups, that we weren't just, you know, again, that's, I, I think I said before, it's not that we weren't talking, we were certainly talking, but we were talking past each other. We weren't really having a conversation about that. Um, I think it really was that glue of DevOps about, like, how operational concerns are developers' problems, and, and vice versa. What the developers need to make this thing work in production is a concern of ops, and what the ops team needs is to manage it successfully, is a concern of devs. So, so having that conversation was really unto uh, itself. I think the, the the magic that really helped us get the transformation, because I think if we had just just done from our little dev world, written the automation, and never had a conversation with the operations team, yeah, I mean we would have done something. I'm sure we would have accomplished, you know, some of the group, But I don't think we would have gotten the dramatic level of improvement we got by having a real negotiation about
1: all the things that were needed. What role did you play in this as far as uh, a management role? What did you have to play as a personality there?
0: I think a lot of this is having to be just really a facilitator of the conversation. And I'm a big fan of of really visual management, which is that I really think, I think it's maybe the nature of the engineering mind, we need to draw pictures and diagrams of how we work and what's flowing and how it flows and how it works. To have something to have a conversation about, and what's nice is that then we're having a picture. This, this picture is in the center of the conversation, and then the picture being in the center of the conversation means it's not about people. <laughs> it's not about you screwed up. <laughs> it's about the system doesn't work when you do it this way. It also just makes it, everybody's on the same page. It, it, it just it, it, it reduces a lot of confusion. And then as you're talking, you realize maybe you didn't draw the picture right because that's not actually how it, works, how it actually works. Is really huge, uh, just mechanism or talking about the numbers, we're talking about the metrics, or talking about the actual whole thing. that's just a huge piece because you have to talk about something tangible and real and visual because that's just that's that's like the language of engineering. You know, it's just how we think. Right. And I really think that's the best, the most constructive way to have that kind of conversation. Facilitating people in the room and facilitating that—that that was the structure I wanted the conversations to be based on that was a big piece of of
1: what I was trying to facilitate. As a storyteller, I love the idea of using diagrams to talk in a technical relationship. Where does security fit in? You know, we're going to be at a security conference at RSA. How did did security fit into the whole picture?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I love, um, I'm really excited about our big numbers because, you know, we we work uh, federal government and and everything. I mean, I hardly can think of the system. Doesn't have a significant security impact. You know, even if we're, you know, the data fundamentally. So this particular system has a huge amount of privacy data and to do a number of our applications. So yeah, you know, the security is is extremely you know, stringent. In the federal government, I think there's a move away from what I call box checking security. You have you have a firewall check, you have a, mm-hmm, <laughs>
1: you yeah, you yeah. have
0: all these things check 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 towards more ongoing security that's, that's more proactive and tailored to, to what the actual concerns of that application are, because it, it just has to go that way. Yeah, you know, security is a part of the equation, and I guess like, I guess what I would say is it's not this thing we, like, tack on at the end and then you add security. <laughs> it's it's got to be baked in everything. It's, it's, it's like this pervasive thing that just has to be how you bank and how you build. And that's how we got into trouble, I think, in the federal government. We made it this thing you did at the end of the clipboard. You know, at the end of the day, you're almost ready to deploy, and the guy to the clipboard, check, 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 check. And, and that's just not a workable solution yeah. for the
1: the world we live in. This concept that it's just, like, pervasive. It's, when we're writing
0: code, we're, we're running, like, OWASP scanners, you know, scanning tools against to the code, looking for, you know, SQL injection and like that kind of stuff. So we don't promote that code. Um, and then when we get the code into um, our death test environment, you know, my security team just randomly pummel those environments with pen test tools and try to break it, right? And if they find something, it's, it, fast feedback to the development team. And then when we get to our stage and product environments, you know, more comprehensive security tools get run against that environment before we go live. And then when we go live, there's a there's, there's a, you know, a group monitoring if they catch something, immediately getting back in that environment and how we access the systems and, and just everything about that. Um, even, I, I love, you know, really that software supply chain piece too. I think we've, come to appreciate that most of our software is built with a lot of frameworks. And knowing that having an immutable build that we know, we have a framework repository, we know where this framework came from. And, and if we have a security vulnerability, that happens happen with great regularity, you can know exactly, well, how many applications are running this library? Where do I need to pull this out? Where is this vulnerability? So that we can quickly respond to places. Um, I think all of that. And then I, I think um, I was really excited to see in, in the uh, the budget that Obama put forward about cybersecurity, one of the things he mentioned is just retiring, just agility and a combination of both a faster response of NIP combined with retiring legacy infrastructure, because I think that's a huge place of vulnerability in our federal government, having a lot of other enterprises, is you invest in all this shiny security stuff, and then if you're over here in the corner running you know, an old server with a known security vulnerability, <laughs> I, I describe it as like 17 locks on the front door and the back door is wide open. You're only as secure as your weakest link. So I think that recognition that security is, we're in a different world. Um, I think that's just got to be the pervasive thing, but everything here has got to be about that.
1: One of the main themes of Rugged DevOps is this idea that we're going to bring forth at the conference next week is assemble heroes. If you were going to look at assembling a group of heroes to pull off what you did, what type of persona would it take to lead a charge like that?
0: Well, I you know, one of the things that uh, we've been working on here, I'm really excited about, uh, we just completed our first pilot. We've been creating a, what we call our team agent. support. And we recognize that there's, you know, we have people who are doing it, but some of this is, not necessarily bringing in people from the outside that are going to come rescue you, you know, superman sacrifice in, it's turning your own people into your own. I mean, I think that's maybe the the model. How do you take people you have and give them the that systems thinking mindset and the um, continuous improvement mindset and, and show them the art of the possible and, and have them bring the expertise they already have, which is in your domain your business, your mission, and it's your IT system, and combine that with the new skills that we need around DevOps, Cloud, and, and Agile, and all of those next-generation technologies, uh, I, I think to me that's kind of uh, the challenge of what you need to kind of accomplish, because I mean, maybe you need to bring a few people in that, that have some expertise with these new technologies. But you need to combine the people that have next generation skills with people that have that that deep commitment to mission that understand like I think sometimes we IT folks we get really like precious about IT. But you have to kinda of understand like what's the customer really trying to accomplish with this? Like what is the system doing for the business? <laughs> like, that has to be part of the equation theory. Like, I think too often we think we just you know, sweep out all the old people and bring in a whole bunch of new people and that's gonna just everything. And it's probably not because they're gonna be so disoriented. It's much better to take your existing people and train them how to work in the right kind of system. I think so. Um, so we've been doing you know, that to our um, so what, We've actually been creating a program to actually take existing people in our program who who are right, in a variety of roles and give them some of the skills to be a transformation change agent. Uh, you know, what does it take for them to help build their own team, to build these skills in their own group, and, and do that. In- I'm really excited about where we're. We're still piloting, but I, I'm excited where we that because
1: I think that I think that's got to be sort of the start of this, is not Keeping in from afar, but, but how do you create heroes out of young people? I love that concept. Uh, it's uh, very close to my heart. Thanks, Paula. I very much look forward to seeing you again next week. It's. Uh, I love the lineup. I don't know if you've looked over it lately, but it's going to be an exciting day.
0: It's going to be very exciting. I, I can't wait.
1: You have been listening to OWASP 24 7 with your host Mark Miller and music provided by the George Cole Quintet. With support from the Nexus Community Project, supporting millions of open source developers worldwide. Additional support provided by CATSCAN from Proactive Risk.